Thank you so much for being here. I pray that what I share with you today challenges you. I pray you grow from it and it causes you to come closer to Jesus in your walk with him. We're talking about time. My original thought several weeks back was it's really not the devil that's the issue. He's been defeated at the cross. Uh, the real issue is we humans don't do very well handling time. And here is the logo we put up and then we're going to jump right in. Is how does a human who's bound by time, the brackets of life, your birth to your death. Everybody right now in this room, you don't have the right bracket. You've just got your birth. We don't have your death yet. But you, you're going to be given a specific amount to live on earth. You'll either own it well or own it terribly. You'll be well remembered or glad you're gone. But you get to live it. And in that box of time, where we try to tap into an eternal God, meaning a God that was here before you even got here, knew you before you were born, and a God that already knows when your life will be over. He's in front of you, behind you, around you, and in you. He's the past, present, and future. We have to tap into Him. Here's what I want to talk about today, the scripture. Proverbs 13. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. My topic today is disappointment. The one thing I've noticed about life is that life can give you many disappointments. And the thing about disappointment is that it touches every realm. It touches your spiritual life because when disappointment hits, you start having questions about God, the devil, demons. When disappointment hits, we are also emotional beings and we deal with disappointment differently. If we kind of polled the whole room, well, when you're really in a bad place of disappointment, how do you handle it? It would literally just be like a chart like this because everybody handles disappointment differently. There's powders and screamers. There's whiners and complainers. There's critiquers. There's habits. There's addictions. There's everything. There's criticisms. Everything we want to do to how we handle disappointment. So this is what I want to talk about. I want to teach you how to do it. Now here's the message. I like it. I'm going to hold on to it today. Unrelenting disappointment leaves your heart sick. Anybody ever been heart sick? Like something happened and it just broke you? Just, it just robbed you of joy? You laid awake, your head staring at the bed, at the ceiling, questioning life, questioning why, questioning God, questioning self, just off a of disappointment. I would love to say God is so powerful that you would never experience disappointment, but that would almost make us into robots with no feelings. The very fact that you have feelings, there's disappointment. A disappointment that you woke up late. Disappointment that you thought there was coffee in the fridge and there's not. Disappointment that your car won't start. Disappointment that your puppy chewed your best shoes. Mm, come on, somebody. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I mean, those are not that bad. We kind of suck it up and get over it. But then there's the disappointments of the doctor call. Where it wasn't what you thought. The disappointments of the marriage failing. The disappointments of your health deteriorating. The disappointment that your children are going off in left field and you thought that they would have been pressing into God more. 
The disappointment that your dreams are not a reality. The disappointment that those become deeper. Those touch us in levels and what, that, what disappointment will do if not careful. I, I do know this to be certain. Disappointment will always call us to stop and rethink. But if not careful, it will stop us dead in our tracks and we get stuck. And we don't know how to press on. We get disappointed in pastors. We get disappointed in Christians. Disappointed in churches. Disappointed in uh, politicians. You get to vote this Tuesday. Remember that. Uh, disappointment. So I want to teach you how I've handled it. But I'm not going to teach it from a psychological, emotional state. All right? There's enough YouTube videos and books out there. You can wear yourself out getting knowledgeable. I want to share disappointment from the spiritual side and what a, a spiritual being who follows Jesus, what that person should do when they're in the middle of dis, a disappointment. And I pray that it'll stretch you. So let's jump into it. I'm going to teach it from the thought of the first mother of planet Earth. Because I think many times women, uh, they see disappointment differently than men. Men are just suck it up and get over it. And many times a woman, because the way God created her, she processes things differently and is much more connected to disappointment relationally and emotionally than a man. That's just baseline. I'm not saying that's every woman. Some women be like, get over it. But, but in the thinking of the way our natures are, I want to pick up the first mother of all of us. And I want to talk to you. Now, here's how I know it can be bitter disappointment. I want to talk to you from a mother's perspective about her children. And if you ever want to see bitter disappointment, watch a mother who has to deal with her children. It can be a bitter disappointment as well as a great celebration. When, when they didn't turn out, when life didn't go. So we're going to pick up mom number one. Here we go. And the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take of the tree of life and eat it, and then they will live forever, verse 23 of Genesis 2. So the Lord God banished them from the garden. It doesn't, if you just casually read it, it's not that meaningful. But if you really think about it, you're, you're at a point where a woman made a decision that cost everything. She probably thought when she took the fruit, to eat the fruit, this is not going to be that bad of a day. I have good intentions here. Nobody knows me like I know myself. Nobody knows what's really going on internally with me. I'm chatting with a serpent. I'm holding a piece of fruit. My man is right next to me. And I've got this beautiful home. I've got this garden God made me. I've got everything I've ever wanted, everything I've ever needed at my fingertips. But I'm holding a decision in my hand. And the one thing I know oftentimes about disappointment is we love to try to blame it on something. So I've got a serpent I can point to. I've got a man I can point to. Well, he's really not pleasing me and I really want to go higher than he's going to let me. He's holding me down. Fruit's in my hand. Serpent's like, don't you really want to be God? Yes, I want to know. I want to think like him. And 
Yes, so there's all this intentionality in her to be a better woman. So I need you to know something about the first mama. She didn't take the bite of fruit because she wanted to mess herself up and be terrible and be thought of as the mother that killed us all. Her intention was, this is the best thing I got going. And she bit, husband bit, they swallowed, and they ate the fruit, and God said, goodbye, you're out of the house. Put an angel, kicked them out. Here's my first realm of disappointment. The first thing is disappointment is a byproduct of your own choices. That's a hard place to get. It's a hard place to realize that maybe many of my disappointments is just my own fault. I made poor choices. I married somebody rashly. I did something stupid. I said something I regret. I wish I coulda, shoulda, woulda. But the, the thing we know about the first disappointment in the Bible, it was the product of her own choice. Nobody made her do it. Nobody forced her to do it. She just did it on her own and created a world of disappointment. And there may be many of you in the room today that you're disappointed, but it's nobody's fault but your own. You've made a poor choice. You did something you regret. You wish you shouldn't have, could have, but you're in it. And now here's the thing. The moment we get in it and we've made the choice, oh, I wish I hadn't married her. I wish I hadn't married him. I wish my boss. I wish my job. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have went to school. I wish I would have went back to school. I wish I wouldn't have dropped out. I wish I would have pressed on. I wish I would have taken more risks. I wish I wouldn't have bought that car. I wish I hadn't have done. I wish I would have bought the house before it went up to 8% mortgage rate. Oh, where it? Oh. Oh, I wish I'd have sold Bitcoin. Oh, right when I sold it, it skyrocketed. I wish I'd have kept Bitcoin. Oh, that's me. I had Dogecoin at like four cents. And it went up to eight. And I'm like, I got to sell it now. Oh, stupid me. I sold it and felt so good. I got like $30. Mm, come on, somebody. Made $30. And I checked it later that day, and it's up like 16 cents. I'm like, Lord, I'd have made nearly $1,000. Disappointment. And nobody told me to say, oh, I just got excited. <laughs> Disappointment. But here's what I know about your product of your own choices. There are two things that happens. Number one, it is what it is. And number two, you become a victim. Those two thinkings will keep you stagnant with God. If you think like this, you're going to stagnate yourself with God. You won't go forward. You'll just endure. Well, it is what it is. I'm just going to learn to live with it. Should have never married him, but it is what it is. I'm just going to live with it. He's a cocaine addict. It is what it is. He's a meth head. It is what it is. I tell you, just addicted to porn. He is what it is. It is what it is. We argue all the time. It is what it is. We never get along. It is what it is. We never can agree on anything. It is what it is. Well, I'm just sucking it up. I hate my job, but you know it is what it is. I can't find good work. Terrible car, it is what it is. I can't afford a new one. It's the best I can do to get along. Because it is what it is keeps you from owning up that no, it's not is what it is. It is what it is because you stop believing it could be something different. You quit putting effort to it. You became a victim. You became used to your excuses. Your excuses became your God. 
Everybody in the room makes choices we regret. Every human does things we wish we could go back and change. You cannot go back. You get no mulligan. You get no do-over. You cannot time travel back to the past and redo it. You are where you are, and it is what it is. But if you believe that, you will never dust yourself off as a child of God and go, wait a minute. It might be it is what it is. But that doesn't mean I'm stuck here. Now, God, now here's where it gets dirty. Now, God, I, got, I need you to tell me what to do. Now, that doesn't feel well. Because when it's your problem, we often go to God and want him to fix it. Rather than going to God going, look, I'm the one that blew it. Why don't you tell me what to do? Rather than me barking at you telling you what to do. Oh, God, I just need you to change her. I just need you to change it all. I need you to get him right. He's not right. And God's up there like, honey, I ain't going to get him right. If I could get him right, he'd already be right. Your man doesn't want to be right. I can't get him right, and you can't get him right. So why don't you do this? Why don't you look him dead in the eye and say, I'm sick of the way this is. This is a terrible marriage. We're going to go get help. You're going to dust yourself off and get out of bed. We can't afford it. It's just too much. So $38 an hour is too much for me and you to invest in our marriage. Why don't you go sell a shotgun or a fishing pole? Why don't you get rid of your boat? We'll take that boat money and go to counseling and make us better. I ain't doing that. That's why it is what it is. I don't have the money. Yes, you do. Sell something. Well, I don't like counselors. Neither do I. Go anyway. They'll make you better. So a lot of times our disappointment is self-inflicted and we just want to be the victim rather than really own, I've made some dumb decisions and I'm not going to continue to make them and I want to be better. And we're going to get better. Because it's in the middle of disappointment that you're going to have to make hard decisions. And they don't feel good. When Robin and I were going through an issue in our marriage, she said, this is what you're going to do. And I said, no. I'm not. She said, yes, you are. And I said, honey, I used that word. I threw that in there just so she'd know I was serious. That's not a term of endearment. That's a, we're about to argue. Honey... I don't know how it is for you, but if you throw honey first, it's like, oh, it's about to get rough up in here. He used honey. And don't let her throw darling back. Because if I hear darling, I'm like, I better call mother. I'm going to have to sleep on the couch. <laughs> uh, but we were going through something, and she said, here's what you're going to do, this, this, and this. And I said, no, I'm not. No man's going to live that way because that's just a bunch of rules. And I'm not going to live rules. And she said, now this was years ago. She said, well, I'm just letting you know if we're going to move forward, this, this, and this is going to change. And it has to change. And I'm willing to go with you to help it change. But if you want to come, because I, I, I was out of the house then. That's how bad it was. I was living over here in the basement. She's living over here. We're still married, still love Jesus. But you can be married and still love Jesus and not know how to get past disappointment. There's a lot of people that divorce loving Jesus. Well, I love Jesus. So do I. Well, y'all ain't together, so something's wrong. What's wrong? Disappointment became the God. And it is what it is. He's this and she's this, so we just, we're both going to just love God being that way. But me and Robin didn't want to do that, so she said, here's what you're going to do. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Four months later, yes, you are. Okay, you're right. <laughs> it just took me about four months to go, she's serious. 
Come on now. Took me four months. I have three college degrees. I'm not that dumb. I'm pretty smart on the field. But it took a college-educated dude four months to realize my wife is not going to play it is what it is. And my wife is not going to let she and I become a victim or a statistic. So sometimes disappointments call you higher. Sometimes disappointments tell you to stop pouting, quit making excuses, get up, get over it, press on. It doesn't always get better overnight, but if you're stuck on it is what it is and I'm a victim, your entire life is just going to be prayer requests of help. I come to you again, oh God. He's like, dear Lord, again? <sighs> 20 years of this. I know he's still doing meth and I'm just asking you to touch him. Honey, it's been 20 years. I'm trying to touch him. He doesn't want to be touched. Your man doesn't love me. You're married to a man. I don't want to hear that. I'm just, I can win it, right? I mean, the whole thing. Because I don't want to take upon me any risk to get beyond my disappointment. So I identify with it. I adapt to it. I learn to live with it. And I just learn to live with disappointment eternally as my planet Earth way of life. So her first disappointment was she was pushed out of the garden. She could have left her man. I don't want you anymore. He could have left her. You made us out of house and home. <laughs> Next verse. But they didn't. They didn't throw in the towel. They stayed together. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife. He could have been mad at her still. But at least they went back into the tent and hooked up. I don't know if they were mad. It doesn't say they were mad. It said he had sexual relations with her. She might have been, no, I don't want to. And he's like, well, we got to move forward. And they did. They went in the tent. She became pregnant. That's what happens when you go in a tent. I'll leave it right there. I got all kinds of things going in my brain. I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Robin's back there. He's growing. He's growing. <laughs> she gave birth to Cain, and she produced a man. Now, that sounds just kind of breezing over it again. It sounds kind of, you know, cheesy. But the first kid she produces is in response to your seed will crush the serpent's head. So first kid that comes out of the birth canal is Cain. I produce me a man. Why? Because this man, this is just my theology 101 for this story, this man is going to take that serpent out. Because that's what God told me that my seed would crush his head. But Cain did not crush the serpent's head. So that brought me to the second type of disappointment, and here it is. It's a byproduct of failed expectations. It's not a choice you made. You were living good. Things were going well. You were happy. You had dreams. You've been to school. You've got a chart that says where you're going to be in the next five years. I'm going to start a business, I'm going to be here, and we're going to buy a house, and we're going to go here, and we're going to have 2.5 kids and a dog. I'd like to meet that point fifth of a kid. But... So this has nothing to do that you were just dumb and made bad choices. This has to do that you had a life plan, you had a, you had a bucket list, 
everything's going well, but, but expectations were not met. He was not the man you thought he was when you met him. Marriage didn't turn out like I anticipated. I graduated college, but I never got the job. I started a business, but I went bankrupt. I failed expectations. We were so happy, but then... I loved that church, and then all of a sudden, uh, failed expectations. These are very powerful because a lot of people, here's what we deal with. Here's the two that we deal with that fail expectations. We start believing the lie. It's just not worth it. I've already tried. I'm just tired. I've already been to counseling. It didn't even work. How long did you go? Once. Right? We went twice and she didn't even help us. That's like being a fat man going to the gym twice. You think two times in the gym is going to get 180 pounds off of you? No. But you'll spend $29.99 a month. Still fat two years later, but you go and hoping. But you go to a counselor and you give them one shot. I didn't really jail with her. Well, of course not, because she's going to call you out on all your garbage. I just really felt like we didn't identify. You don't need to identify. You need somebody that can chew you out and tell you what to do. So if we're not careful, we'll say it's just not worth it. I went to college, but it got too hard. I flunked a biology test. I dropped out. It's not worth it. I've already been married. It's not worth it. We're just going to shack up together. It's just easier to shack up together than, than to get married. I mean, it's cheaper, you know, I mean, but living together. And even though God doesn't want us to, it's still, I mean, come on. We're saving money. We're smart. Because it's not worth it to risk it. It's better to kind of keep each other like this so if we don't like each other, we can get away without hurting each other than committing for life and having to learn how to grow old together. It's just not worth it. The marriage isn't worth it anymore. The expectation of my marriage failed. My marriage isn't worth it anymore. Peace out, baby. I'm done with you. It's over. It's not worth the pain to get better. I love the fact that my bride and I go on a date every week and sit across at a table and multiple times have the same conversation and it goes something like this. She'll be beautiful and I'll be me. And I'm sitting there, just there's a, we, everywhere we go, they put a little candle on the table. So there's candlelight, so she looks exceptionally pretty, and I'm hiding behind the magic. But in that, you know, in, in that conversation, we'll be eating, and she'll look at me and consistently will say this. She says, isn't it so good that we made it? Isn't it so good that we fought for us? And then I chime back, uh, you fought. Because remember, I was a wreck. But thank you for fighting for me. Because I was a mess. Thank you. I'll pay tonight. She says, no, you'll pay every time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why it's a date. Yes, you're right. The man always pays. Where did that come from? Amen. I don't know where that came from, but yes, I guess we do. <laughs> but I love what she said. It, it's worth it, honey. Was it worth it? It was worth it. We've cried a lot of tears. We go to a counselor even to this day to keep our marriage great and wonderful. 
We fight for each other rather than against each other. We, we tweak our lives. We become better. But it's worth it. But sometimes the failed expectation will be screaming, it's not worth it, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. Get out, get out. Somebody would treat you better. Somebody would love you better. Somebody would love you more. It's just screaming into your mind. But you have to come. No, it is worth it. I'll fight to the end. And then I'm going to throw this in. I don't have a long time on this, but this is deep. So what if you're tired? So what? Your life is better than just you being tired. I was tired going to college. I made it out. I was tired at grad school. Made it out. Stepped up at 3 and 4 in the morning. Gritting my teeth. Writing papers and books. I was tired. Did it anyway. I was a grad school student. Full time. I worked in the ministry. Full time. I was married with two children. Come on somebody. How many of you know I was tired? I was so tired. I, this is the absolute truth. So tired this old boy was with a wife and a baby and full-time in grad school. And, and I got a full-time, well, part-time, 20 hours a week working in a church. And the pastor made me go pray every morning at 5 o'clock. Oh, what kind of pastor's that? And so I did. I'd, I'd go, and I go to prayer this morning. I kneel down, tired. This is exactly what I prayed. I knew I needed help. I bowed down and I was like, Lord, oh, Lord, Lord. Because it's dark in the room, so that's why I could sleep. Lord. I literally said these words out of my mouth. Literally. This is not a joke. Lord, I thank you for the devil. He's good. And then I, I was like, what did I? I just said, thank you for the devil. He's good. I was like, because I didn't drink coffee back then. That's how tired you can be. So what? Get over it. You can find people to cry for you, but crying people don't get you over disappointment. You need somebody in your life to tell you it is worth it. Get yourself out of bed. Put your shoes on. Go and roll back in school. Go get some marital counseling. Go to the gym. Whatever it is, get busy about living. Here's the next one. So she gave birth to a brother named him Abel. Got to love that. So Cain kind of disappointed her. He didn't take it. So she has another kid. Maybe he'll kill the serpent. They grew up. Abel became a shepherd. Cain cultivated the ground. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go to the field. And while they were in the field, you got to love this. This happened to this mom. Uh, the older boy killed the younger boy. Here's my next thing. Sometimes byproducts, disappointment is of the sucker punch. You're doing everything right. You're going to church, reading your Bible, tithing, praying, witnessing, worshiping. You don't even listen to the 70s channel because it's of the devil. I mean, you're towing God. You and God have coffee together. You have devotions together. You press into the Lord. The marriage is good. Everything's great. The kids actually serve God. Mm. They love church. Ooh, come on, somebody. And then in the middle of all your pressing in, worshiping, loving, serving, giving, tithing, uh, just fasting and witnessing, sucker punch, boom, right in the gut. The phone call that you got cancer, the phone call that your child died, the phone call that the husband's going to leave, the phone call that you got fired, sucker punched. You didn't even see it coming. Life's been good. Here's the two things of a sucker punch. I hate the sucker punch. Why me? 
And my faith doesn't even matter anymore. Because if it did, this would have never happened. And so you pull back. You get mad at God, angry at God. Maybe not mad and angry, but definitely frustrated. I was serving Him and He let this happen. How could He let this happen to me? This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I wanted. Now your faith is being challenged. The enemy's poking holes all in your theology now. Why me? Why me? Why me? I was on the good side of the fence. Why me? I've served you. I can understand they fell apart, but why did I fall apart? It's a hard place to get past. I want to teach you how to do it. i got a few minutes. Let's jump in. I want to show you how to get beyond it. Here's my thought of the day. That was just my introduction. (laughs) That's how you know I'm Pentecostal. That's just the introduction. (laughs) I'll get you out. Learning how to press beyond the disappointment can get you to a place of a great turnaround. Come on. You want to get stuck there? You don't want to get stuck there. I'll go ahead and tell you. You do not want to get stuck there. It's miserable. Coffee's not even any good when you're there. It's miserable. People don't want to come over to your house because you're miserable. Here you go. Here's the scripture again. Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but, come on somebody, a sudden good break can turn life around. I didn't bring you in this room to tell you about disappointment. I came to tell you how it turns around. You ready? I'm going to help you turn it around right now. So if you hadn't taken notes yet, note time. Take your phone out. It's one point. That's how simple it is. So dumb people can get this. Hit your husband and go, you can get it. (laughs) How do you press through a turnaround? Here we go. This is Jesus. Are you tired? Yeah. Come on. He's asking this, like knowing we get tired as a human. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of her. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of this. Are you worn out? I put it in yellow. Yep. When is it going to end? When will it stop? Are you burned out on religion? Yes. I've done everything. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've had the elders pray for me. Nothing, nothing, and nothing. Well, green, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. The King James, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Watch this. I'm going deep on you this morning. You're welcome. The word come is dute. It means come here. Come now. It's It's not even optional in the Greek. It's not, look, you had a bad day? Why don't you think about coming? Hey, you want to come over and hang out? (laughs) If you got time, I'm going to have a party up in heaven. Come hang out with me today. No. It's this way. Come now. You have to have children to understand that language. (laughs) It's not, hey, it's time for breakfast. If you feel like getting out of bed and you're not tired, why don't you come on down? Mama's made some waffles. They're real hot. Come on, just any time, any time. Just whenever you feel led. No. This is how it goes in my house. Girls, waffles are ready. Let's go. Now, they're hot. I mean, it's not that rude. Get out of bed. Now, that is that word. 
It's a non-optional call to your life. Stop making excuses and come to me. It is an emphatic followed by an exclamation point. It is a de declarative statement. I don't know when you put an exclamation what it's called, but I remember it was like, ah! I remember my teacher would say, if you see that, scream, ah! Come now! That's what he says when he says, we've got to take this little butterfly, come to me. No. Come down. This, this is the day, this is the hour, this is the moment right now. Stop making excuses, Mark. Come to me right now. Here's the rest of the verse. Are you worn out, tired, burned out? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Oh, this hurts. Walk with me and work with me. That is the King James for take my yoke upon you. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforth rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Here's the two words, work with me and learn. Work with me is zygos. It means to be a burden, to be yoked up and to be submitted to. It's going to be very hard to get over disappointment when you're not submitted to him. It's very hard to get over disappointment when the scripture tells you to do this, but your flesh tells you to do that. And by God, I'm going to do my flesh. And then I'm going to ask God to correct all the pain that my flesh has called. And he's like, no, 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 no. You yoke yourself up with my scripture. I don't yoke myself up with your feelings. I wish God would yoke up with my feelings. We could have better conversations. God says, nip, 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 I'm going to yoke you up to my scripture and demand that you do that. I don't care how you feel. It might have hurt your feelings, Mark, but I'm calling you higher. That's what it means to, be, to work with. Here's the other one. This stings. This stings. Oh, this stings. You've got to learn. In other words, increase in knowledge. So many people get disappointed and they get stagnant. They drop out of church. They quit praying. They quit pressing in. They quit fighting. They quit fasting. They quit, man, worshiping. Learn by use and practice. Be in the habit of. In other words, God, Jesus is telling us, come now and yoke yourself up to my will and know this about me, Mark. I need you to know me. I'm tired of you always telling me your problems. I want you to know me and not just your problems. I want you to know who I am and not just what you're going through. I want you to yoke yourself up to me, boy, and here's how it's going to go down. I want you to create a daily habit of me and you working and walking together this once a week thing coming to church is not how you're going to get it you got to walk with him daily here's the conclusion how do you press through you make pressing into God a daily habit that's the simplest answer I can give you if you don't pray daily read your Bible daily worship daily press into God daily disappointment is going to try to take you out at every turn you can't just sit at home and watch Netflix and cry wondering what's happened to your life. You got to press in. You got to come to Him. Here's the scripture. And Adam had sexual relations with his wife again. What? Two failures? Two disappointments? Cain has run off. Abel's dead. Oh, she kept pressing people. 
You're here today because that woman, that mother, that disappointed mother, that mother that lost two boys, that mother where nothing went her way, she lost her home, she lost her character, she lost her son, she had another son she had to bury. This mama though, mama number one, oh, she had some chutzpah as a mama because she kept pressing on. She kept moving forward. She didn't go, no, we've already had two babies, one more, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I'm too broken. I'm too hurt. She went back in the tent, had babies. Seth and guess what little baby Seth was in the line of Jesus Christ so right now today there's kingdom potential in you if you will get past your disappointment there is kingdom potential in you here's the conclusion I'll leave it up in the middle of your disappointment if you want your life to move forward you must take a risk by continually to boldly seek Jesus and make it your daily habit to learn of Him and work with Him. And if you don't do this, as nice as I can be as a shepherd, your disappointment will get the best of you every time. It has to be a daily habit of being with Him. Stand up and let me pray for you.